0: Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're not already with the woman of your dreams and you're ready to finally find her so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Can long-distance relationships really work? And if so, how? And what should we do when we fall in love with a friend, but we're too afraid to tell her? These are two of the most frequently asked questions I've received since starting this podcast, and so I'm going to dedicate this episode to sharing my best advice for anyone who needs the answers. So let's start with long-distance relationships. It's entirely possible that when we meet the love of our life, she'll be residing in another place on the other side of the world. And that sucks because it means that you're going to have to ride a really bumpy road for a while as you figure out the practicalities of how you could move to the same place and be together and all of that. But once you finally do get to move in together, all of that frustration fades into the past and so you can proceed with your lives as a happy couple. But the problem is that long-distance relationships are only as good as the relationship itself. And the tricky thing is, not all relationships are good ones. But the problem is that long distance relationships that are not good, those are harder to spot in a lot of ways. And that's really bad because long distance relationships are expensive. They're monetarily expensive because of the cost of traveling back and forth and the time spent traveling back and forth and the time away from work and other projects and all of our loved ones. And they're emotionally expensive because of how upsetting it is to be in love with someone who isn't there, who's always far away, who we're always left missing and longing for. That's a huge energy drain. So it's important to understand why bad long distance relationships happen. And for that, we need to consider how any bad relationships happen, regardless of whether or not they're long distance. So let's start from the beginning. We humans have needs. All humans are born with needs. For example, we need oxygen, otherwise we die. We also need a place to live, or like a safe place to sleep at night. But if, for example, we found ourselves unable to breathe, we wouldn't be able to worry in that moment about finding a safe place to sleep that night, because our fundamental issue when we're suffocating, when we're struggling to get air, is to get air, and everything else falls by the wayside when we're struggling to get air. So even though we have a lot of important needs as humans, It's clear that there's some kind of order to those needs where the need for air comes before the need for a safe place to sleep at night, right? Abraham Maslow is a psychologist who saw these patterns and mapped out the hierarchy of our needs on a pyramid. This diagram, this pyramid, is called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I'll have a picture of the pyramid in the show notes below. The lower down a need is on the pyramid that he mapped out, the more it overpowers and trumps the higher needs. Our basic physiological needs are on the lowest level of the pyramid, like oxygen and water and food. Or if in that moment we're being chased by a wild animal or there's some kind of hailstorm, we need shelter from those immediate dangers. So that's the bottom of the pyramid. It's the most fundamental. We can't focus on anything else unless those needs are met. But the next up from the bottom, the second level, is our safety needs. We need to know we're going to be able to keep ourselves safe in the long run. We need to have health. We need to have the skills to learn a living. We need resources. We need a home. If these needs are not met, it becomes much harder to focus on other things. Because if we don't have our health, our health becomes a primary focus. And if we don't have a stable place to sleep night after night, or if we don't have the resources to live, that becomes a primary focus. But once we have that handled, The next level up on Maslow's pyramid is the need for love and belonging. Because once our physiological needs are met and once our safety needs are met, the next most important thing we need is to feel connected to others. Because human beings are social animals and we are wired to connect. And having loved ones and having a partner is a fundamental need. According to Maslow's pyramid, Other things like career and success and meaning in life are needs that come after the need for love and connection. So according to Maslow, the need for love and belonging is more important than our need to have purpose and meaning and success. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't have success if we don't have a partner. However, it does mean that during the times we don't have a partner, our pyramid is standing on shakier foundation because one of our fundamental needs remains unmet. And if we ever find ourselves unable to breathe, getting air is all we have the capacity to focus on because unmet needs consume our attention and getting that need met can override all our other values. So, for example, even if we're a totally non-violent person, if we find ourselves unable to breathe, we can flail around violently and even cause physical damage to other people and property. Not because we want to cause damage, but because our need to breathe overrides all other considerations. On the same line of thought, most of us probably don't believe in stealing, but for us, if our family was dying of starvation, most of us would probably take a loaf of bread to feed our families. Because we humans have a deep, strong drive to get our needs met. The human need for love and connection isn't a life or death struggle like being unable to breathe or starving. But it's really important for us to recognize that one, Love and belonging are a fundamental need and two, that we're deeply driven both consciously and subconsciously to get our needs met when they're not met and that can cause us to act in some really suboptimal ways, meaning that we're thinking or saying or doing things that we wouldn't want to otherwise think or say or do in order to get those needs met. When we're aware of these two things, we can have more control over it. So if we ever find ourselves feeling super lonely or having fearful thoughts about ending up alone forever, we could say to ourselves, oh, okay, no big deal. That's just my subconscious mind flailing around trying to get my needs met. But if we're not aware of this pattern, then when those same feelings and thoughts arise, we can get far more triggered and far more carried away by them. But the thing is, moment to moment, being lonely is no big deal. Emotions are no big deal. Like, yeah, sometimes they absolutely suck or they can hurt like hell, but emotions pass and we survive. There's no emotion that we can't handle. So if we're sad and lonely sometimes about being single, okay. The key is to have awareness so that we don't let those feelings trigger us to act in suboptimal ways, to think and act and say and do things that aren't in our best interest, we need to be aware of how much tolerance we have for loneliness. Because when we don't have tolerance for loneliness, we could start to get our emotional needs met in ways that really aren't good for us. For example, having someone who becomes an emotional crutch. When someone in our life is an emotional crutch, We end up spending more time and attention with that person because it's nice to have someone around, not because spending our time and attention on that person is in our best interest. Relying on someone as an emotional crutch is suboptimal. It's not the best thing for us to do. And when we end up in a relationship with someone who's just an emotional crutch, that's called settling. So why do we do this? Why do we settle? Why do we opt for an emotional crutch instead of a partner? We settle because when our fundamental need for love and belonging are not met, we can lose our self control. Lonely people lack self control when it comes to love. And we need to know this about ourselves while we're single. We need to be clear with ourselves about this before we end up connecting with women. Because when we see a chance to get our need for love and connection met, we're totally driven to take that chance. Subconsciously, we're driven to because we hate being lonely. Regardless of whether we think deep down we might be settling, regardless of whether there are red flags, regardless of whether she lives on the other side of the world, we just need to remember at all times when we're single and looking for love that our subconscious mind is fiending to get our emotional needs met. And that subconscious part of us is going to totally cloud our judgment whenever the possibility of getting our love needs met comes along. It is very hard for us to say no to love when we have the chance to get love. And this applies to all relationships, not just long-distance ones. And to some extent, it's good that we're more flexible when we're lonely. Because nobody's perfect. So even when we meet the woman of our dreams, there's going to be some things about her that we don't like. You know, certain things she does, or certain foods she eats, or certain friends she hangs out with, or certain beliefs that she holds... Reality requires that we make some compromises, but compromising and settling are two different things. We can compromise and still be really happy. Even if we don't like everything about a woman, we could still be totally crazy about her. But when we settle, we're not totally crazy about her. And long distance might just be one thing we don't like about someone, but the problem with long distance is that it blocks us from clearly seeing all the other stuff we might also not like about her. Because when two people are in a long distance relationship, their time together is limited and all the emotions get heightened. There's weeks of buildup before seeing each other. There's the intensity when you finally get there. And then there's the rest of the time you spend together filled with dread about when you have to part. And then there's the heartbreak every single time you separate. So there's a lot more noise clouding over the question of whether this is the best relationship for us when we're in a long-distance relationship. It's harder for us to know whether us choosing that relationship is just our subconscious way of trying to get our emotional needs met. You know, relationships aren't big ideas, they're not macro, they're micro. Relationships are made up of the tiniest minutia. Once we get past the drama of meeting and connecting and deciding to actually be together, the relationship itself consists of humdrum, everyday, day-to-day, in-and-out micro-interactions. And And whether or not two people are compatible is determined in that micro-space. But when we have a long-distance relationship, we get suspended in the macro, not the micro. And this means that a certain level of intimacy is left unavailable. Because there's a certain kind of intimacy that forms between two people who live together as a unit. And that exists on a totally different level than two people who are in a long-distance relationship. Another thing to remember is that we humans tend to overvalue anything that's scarce. Or in other words, we tend to want what we can't have. And so when someone's far away, it causes us to long for her more because she's far away, we can't be with her. And so we experience ourselves longing for her more and then we feel as though we're more crazy about her than we might otherwise feel if she were right there next to us. And the risk is that because of this, we end up overvaluing the relationship with this person more than we would if she lived close by. Another thing to be aware of is that a long-distance partner isn't ever going to be able to meet our physical needs on a daily basis for as long as she's long-distance. Anyone who requires physical touch or physical intimacy is going to be left frustrated all the time when you're not together. So that's the bad news about long-distance relationships. But I also have some really good news. The good news is that sometimes we truly do meet the love of our life even though she's living someplace far away. And even though it sucks that she's far away, the good news is that you found her and eventually you can find a way to be together. So yeah, long distance relationships are more challenging than local ones, but every challenge is an opportunity to grow. So if you're in a long distance relationship that's making you feel frustrated, that's a great opportunity for you to learn how to be stronger in the face of feeling frustrated. If you're in a long-distance relationship and you're feeling like your intimacy needs are not being met, that's an opportunity for you to learn how to self-soothe and to be more tolerant when our needs aren't getting met. If you're in a long-distance relationship and there are issues around jealousy and trust because of the distance, that's a great opportunity for you to learn about how your jealousy gets triggered and how you can be stronger in the face of feeling jealous. If you're in a long-distance relationship and you can't afford to visit each other, well, that's a real opportunity for you to use your love as motivation to build new career skills and side hustles so you can earn and save more so you can finally get to be where she is. Every challenge is an opportunity to grow and learn. When things get difficult, we can always ask ourselves, what do I need to learn here? Long distance relationships are more challenging than local ones, but they're not impossible as long as there's an end game for how you can eventually be together in the same place at the same time in the long term. And in the meantime, just focus on making your relationship as strong as possible. We're not born knowing how to be good at relationships, but there are great resources out there that can help. On my YouTube channel, I have a video called How to Make Lesbian Love Last, and that's a great place to start. But I also recommend that you read John Gottman's book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, and then also search for interviews with Annie Lala where she talks about conflict. She's amazing. And if you want more resources after that, just send me an email and I'll be happy to suggest some others. Relationships are hard work, but there are amazing tools that we can use to make our relationships stronger, deeper, and more meaningful if we take the time to learn. And this is especially important for anyone in a long-distance relationship. And if the relationship is not the right relationship, whether it's long-distance or not, the important thing to remember is that because love and connection are a fundamental human need, we get really scared of ending the relationships that we have, which is why we fall into the wrong relationships and why we stay in them longer. Because when we're single and lonely, our desire for connection is so strong that we can lose our self-control. So what we have to remember is that loneliness in the short term is no big deal, but bad relationships are a big deal because they're draining and they're destructive and they could take far longer to heal from, which means we'll end up with more loneliness overall than we would have if we just maintained our self-control initially. So... Knowing we have this lack of tolerance for loneliness and we have an unreasonable fear of being alone, that's really important to keep in mind so that we can see more objectively and protect ourselves from getting our emotional needs met in a way that is going to be bad for us in the long run. Because let's be honest, deep down, we pretty much always know if someone we're dating is going to end up hurting us. When we're feeling chemistry and connection, it's easier to ignore red flags than it is to face them. But even when a new relationship feels amazing and exciting, when we see red flags, we can't lie to ourselves and pretend that everything will be fine because it won't be fine. But in the long run, it will be fine because eventually we are all guaranteed to find love. And the way we maintain our power in love and dating is to remember at all times that we are 100% guaranteed to find love. And we are going to have our emotional needs met. We're going to have all the closeness and connection we desire. And it doesn't have to come from any one particular woman because if it's not her, it'll come from someone else who can make us just as happy. So there's nothing to fear. So that's what I think about long-distance relationships. The next most frequently asked question I want to talk about here is, what do we do when we fall in love with a friend and we don't know how she feels about us? And I get why this is such a scary one for people. Rejection is scary, but getting rejected by a friend can be even worse, especially if that friend pulls away from us and stops being our friend once she realizes we feel things for her that she doesn't feel about us. So the risks are high, and it makes sense why some people avoid having that conversation because we don't want to face what could be a really upsetting outcome. But here's the thing. If we're in love with someone who doesn't love us back, it's better for us to figure that out as soon as possible. Because the sooner we know, the sooner we can start to heal and the faster we can make the pain go away. Also, the longer we stay in love with someone without knowing whether she reciprocates our feelings, the more time we spend overanalyzing every interaction we have with her and every aspect of our relationship. And the more time we spend thinking about someone, the more wrapped up we get and the more invested we become. And that just makes everything more intense and more terrifying to lose. The longer we wait, the scarier it gets. And really... A relationship doesn't begin until two people decide to be in it. So if there is something happening between you romantically, you both deserve to acknowledge it so you can build a relationship together instead of just standing fearfully on the sidelines. And also, even if she does feel the same way, the longer we wait, the more we risk her getting involved in another relationship with someone else who has the confidence to just go for it faster and more boldly. And losing her to someone else if she was otherwise open to being with us, that would be tragic. And let's say we do tell her, but the worst case scenario does come true and she doesn't feel the same way and the friendship gets weird. The important thing to remember is that rejection is no big deal. Like yeah, rejection and heartbreak are painful and awful, but it's nothing we can't handle. Rejection and heartbreak hurt, but they don't hurt us in a way that we can't handle. And if telling our friend that we have feelings for her causes us to lose the friendship, as upsetting as that will feel in the short run, she's actually doing us a favor if she pulls away. Because let's be honest, we're not going to ever be able to move on and find someone else if we stay close with her and give her all of our time and attention. So even the worst case scenario might be in our best interest. Also, It's worth noting that sometimes we already know, even before having the conversation, that the friend we're crushing on doesn't reciprocate the feelings we have. This is especially true for any time we fall in love with someone who's straight, for example. When we're in love with someone who we know doesn't want us back, then maybe telling her isn't the best move. Instead, we need to have discipline in those situations because if our love has no chance of being reciprocated, that's not someone we should invest our love in. The way we invest our love in someone we don't have is by focusing on her or inventing fantasies about her. Fantasies are the stories we play out in our minds that are yummy and exciting, and we have total control over what we make fantasies about. And producing for ourselves fantasy movies about someone who isn't loving us back is a form of self-sabotage. Because the fantasies make us want her more than we would if we were fantasizing about other things. When we fantasize about someone, we're causing ourselves to want her. And the more we want someone who doesn't want us back, the more we set ourselves up for disappointment and loss and rejection. It's self-destructive for us to waste our fantasies on receiving love for someone who, in reality, will never love us. Because we only create misery for ourselves when we do that. And when we fantasize about a friend who doesn't want us back, we hurt the friendship. A lot of people are afraid they'll hurt the friendship if they tell their friend how they feel. But the truth is that the way we hurt the friendship is by letting ourselves fantasize about things with her that she isn't on board for. So bottom line, if you have a friend and you think you have feelings for each other but you don't know and you're terrified to find out, just have the conversation with her. And when you do, Approach her from a place of confidence, not neediness, because confidence is sexy and neediness is a turnoff. But do it sooner rather than later, because one way or the other, the sooner you know, the better off you are. Because if your heart is going to break, the sooner it breaks, the sooner it heals. Whereas the longer you wait, the deeper you fall and the more you get hurt and the farther away into the future you have to wait before your broken heart finally heals and also just to light a little fire under your ass the more you delay the more you risk losing her to someone else even if she does currently have feelings for you so for anyone who's in that situation right now i hope the woman you want does want you back and i hope the love that you build together is epic but if she doesn't that's truly okay because someone else will And you will have all the love and connection that you desire in this lifetime. And it doesn't have to come from this woman that you currently have a crush on. Hot lesbians are everywhere. And love is real. And the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. That much I am sure of. But in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. What questions would you want me to answer in future episodes? Email me and let me know. And if you're ready to finally find the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and have passionate intimacy together, then there are free resources that can help you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.